Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from the quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you the cult of masculinity. And with that, I'm. This is Luke here in Wisconsin, and I'm here with Nick in North Carolina. How's it going, Nick? Hey, it's going well. It's going well. Glad to be here for episode two. Definitely recorded in the right order. Yeah, of course. It, oh, yes. The, what what order could be more right than the order of which it is? That's your question for today, I guess. Exactly. Uh, Consecutive. Yeah, so the cult of masculinity, it's quite a title. What are we talking about today, Nick? The cult of masculinity. Oh, oh, the the wonders of... And I think in this particular instance, we're specifically talking about the masculinity within the culture of the United States. Oh, okay. Um, And... Just to get us going on this a little bit, we're, we're recommending a documentary called The Mask You Live In by The Representation Project. They have a couple of different documentaries. I have not watched their other ones, but watch The Mask You Live In. Um, tell me, Nick, what, uh, what about masculinity in the U.S. M- makes it uh, have this negative connotation of the cult? Oh, man. I mean, the whole documentary, and this is one of those documentaries that I think every person should watch regardless as to whether or not you know, you're a guy or a girl or whatever, because in many ways, and I'll get to describing like what the cult of masculinity is specifically, but it's a notion or it's this mindset within society that affects more than just men it affects the surrounding society as well um but it is particularly self-destructive towards men and so when we're talking about the cult of masculinity we're talking about that notion of this hyper masculine understanding of a man in which there's this repression of emotions you know you have to and i believe the um i want to say that former NFL coach that's predominantly in this documentary, he uses one of the best phrases that I think a lot of people have heard, and it's also what he describes as one of the most destructive phrases, and I think that kind of like frames the documentary and kind of the situation that we're facing here in American culture today. Um, And it's the phrase of man up. And so with that connotation saying that, you know, what you're doing is not manly enough, to be acceptable that who you are is not masculine enough you're not you know dominating or winning or in any way demonstrating that you are powerful yeah that's yeah no the uh the the word powerful i was struck by um talking about man up or be a man it's interesting just not to get us too off track as we start but i will say actually starting us off i grew up with some really great 
um, older men and um, older brothers that were people that were willing to show emotion besides just anger. I think that's one of the central themes of this of this documentary is talking about how men are kind of groomed or just brought up, taught, coached, whatever, to not show emotion unless it's anger, unless it's like a, a display of power, as, as we were kind of talking about. Um, so I will say, just before we go into this too deep, I, I did just want to mention that off the bat. I am very grateful for a lot of really great men in my life that show that you can cry and be gentle and all these wonderful things. But tell us more, Nick. Tell us more about what is... Uh, are, are you saying that not everyone grows up with examples like that? Not necessarily. And I think based on my own personal experience, there are obviously, you know, a mixed bag of male mentor experiences or those in authority that you might look up to that have either a positive or negative impact on your definition of self as it relates to being a man and being a man in America, specifically as this, like we said, documentary kind of demonstrates through the data that they uh, are providing. And so... Yeah, I think like oftentimes there's this sense and I don't know, I feel like every time I watch a documentary it like it gets me emotionally because it's stuff I've experienced myself in different ways and forms and not necessarily because I had bad mentors or bad like examples of what it means to be like a man specifically, but at the same time, there were definitely some moments that stood out for me that when I watched this documentary, I'm like, oh, I resonate with that because of specific experiences in my life that impacted how I view my manhood as a result and as a result of that toxicity, like moving away from these expectations because of those negative experiences. Yeah. No, that's uh tell us more if if that's okay if i ask yeah no you're good i figured like this would be this is one of my favorite documentaries and actually it was probably one of the first documentaries i had watched um and i can't remember if it was before or after i'd actually written an article about my experience like over the years because obviously like when and i think i could be wrong but i feel like the documentary kind of demonstrates like it's not always prevalent the extent to which you're aware of the negative experiences and kind of that trauma that you've experienced until you're out of it and until it's like you know especially within that like developmental stage and I think for me like I mean one very specific moment that stands out to me was actually in high school and it was during a time which like we had you know our friend group and it was in a like church community group or whatever in which we had gone to the fair and I actually ended up posting a photo of like one of my friends and I like hugging and it was a guy like one of my guy friends and I and we were hugging and it's posted on Facebook and of course and maybe not of course but like to my surprise I discovered that somebody and I can't remember if they approached me in person or if it was messaged to me on Facebook it was a uh, like one of the adult leaders in the like small group or whatever, or in like the youth group. And he 
suggested strongly that I take it down because it is, and I quote, like, you know, promoting the wrong message or like insinuating something. And I think that experience for me promoted a lot of shame and like this idea of like, oh, like, am I demonstrating affection towards my friends wrong because I'm a guy? And yeah, it definitely like hit me in a way I wasn't expecting. And there was that like withdrawal of like, wow, like how can I engage authentically with my friends if I'm being dehumanized and invalidated by like authority figures? Wow. Yeah, that I think that would be for very like little things like that. Right. No, that that's very intense. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a fellow high schooler or, you know, someone who maybe isn't older and hopefully wiser would say something like that. But that is pretty striking. Um, hearing that from from an authority figure. Yeah. And particularly, as we find out later, an authority figure that ended up leaving the church because he was hugging like high school girls without their consent. So to have a very warped sense of like his own manhood and then like projecting this onto me in a way that makes me feel invalidated for showing affection in a healthy way was just very like stark. And I didn't see that until like years later really because like at the time I just felt like this immense shame of like, oh, everybody like knows I, you know, like I didn't have that conception of like oh this is a bad thing to post me hugging my friend until he like put that upon me and like presented that into like my developing mind that like oh this is wrong and so yeah just like these things do have like long-term consequences and it definitely is something that like processing it later it took time and it took time to figure out like okay how do i like express this and write about this in like in a way that's not dehumanizing others but like demonstrating like hey like this is an experience that is perhaps more common than you might expect and this might be like an extreme form of that but i do like the way in which the documentary talks about some of those phrases that you'll hear and like these are phrases i also like grew up hearing as well um maybe not something that i internalize as much as that specific moment but like you know when you're talking to your friends and you're like i love him but you know oh no homo um, it's just a like destructive phrase that had immensely like negative and shameful, you know, connotations to where it's like, okay, the assumption is that healthy, affectionate emotions towards your male peers is frowned upon and is somehow like not manly. Right. And right isn't that that's uh, not helpful i think oh, of course yeah <laughs> and it was i think the whole documentary was full of phrases that they would kind of deconstruct i really liked i i don't remember a lot of the specific names of the different speakers that they interviewed but it that what you just mentioned reminded me of a phrase where they were talking about like um, this came up a couple times actually in the actual documentary, but they would talk about how, oh, don't, don't be like a girl. Um, right, right. And that insinuation of, 
to be a girl is a, a bad thing. Like, or to be um, less than, yeah. To be less than, yeah. And like that, um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's, it's so interesting. Cause again, I, I feel very grateful that that was not normative for me growing up. Like that would be kind of odd for me to hear a mentor of mine say something like that. Um, but I, I do remember a couple different, um, a couple, a couple different memories and some of them actually, I don't really want to share on the, on the podcast because they're just like really crass and really, um, inappropriate in high school and thinking about what does it mean as a man in those, in those times to say something, um, you know, like even, I mean, like, for example, as a, as a Christian, you know, like even just returning to the no homo phrase, I, as a Christian, you know, I have, I have a, a view in what I would call at least a historic theological view, or at least I would call orthodox, but other people would say that's not orthodox. You're assuming that's right. Um, but where marriage is meant for a man and a woman, but I still think it's important regardless of what you believe about marriage that to use homosexual or gay or other derogatory terms for us to speak up and say, Hey, why, why are you doing that? That's why are you using that as an insult? Um, and I think that has lessened my understanding just in the last couple of years in some ways. Um, but it kind of depends on what circles you're in, what context you're in. Cause, um, there's a greater awareness in a lot of high schools where, uh, but that's, that's just coming. That's kind of secondhand knowledge. So I would say regardless of how common it is, just whenever it comes, if someone's picking on anybody, um, it's about the value of people. Um, if they are, you know, if you, if you have a different sexual ethic of someone, that doesn't mean that we don't speak up for them, for their value, for who they are, um, as Christians. But also just returning, I guess I'm kind of jumping around, but thinking about how we talk about women. It's so, it's so interesting as a, as a man thinking about, um, like if I'm, if I'm in a group of guys and let's say, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a scenario. Let's say someone says something similar like, oh, you're, you're being such a girl or don't be like a girl. Um, what can I do in that situation? And I think sometimes it's as straightforward as, you know, Hey, don't, don't put, don't put down girls like that. Like, what what are you doing? Um, uh, or, you know, just something simple like that, that kind of just, um, intercepts that comment in a way that not necessarily designed to be like self-righteous or demeaning, but to also be like, Hey, no, actually I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk like that. I don't, I don't want that to be normal. Um, and then also others like just thinking strategically of how do you persuade people to stop the behavior to, and sometimes that's in the group, you know, speaking up and sometimes it's one-on-one saying, Hey, you know, when you said this earlier, I really don't, I don't think that was a, a good thing to say. I think, um, it makes me uncomfortable, you know, whatever. I don't know. I'm just starting to kind of 
Let's say maybe too much. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say foolish things by speaking too much. <laughs> well, I think that ties in well with kind of the larger framework again, like tying back into the documentary, and that they talk about and discuss specifically the role of coaches in people's lives, and how that can have very positive, like experience or very positive um, influence upon the kids that are like growing and like really looking up to these sort of like mentor figures um in a way that helps them build like empathy and character in a way that's not this you know win at all costs like destructive mentality um that also again on the flip side we might find within those same kind of i guess quarters you might say this is coming from a guy that did not play like any sports. So I did not have that kind of experience growing up, except for maybe perhaps when I played soccer, when I was like, I don't know, second or third grade. Like there was definitely that sense of, like this coach really invested in me in a way that was personal and like validated me. Um, and then like later on, or, you know, I guess I did have these experiences. Uh, and then later on, like, cause I did play soccer through high school um later on like didn't really get that same sort of validation from them because it really was like we're training to win like at all cost you know and so if you're not playing right like it's you're not going to be looked upon like you're not going to be encouraged in the same way as i was maybe within a different context if that makes sense oh yeah absolutely and i i did a lot of sports i and ones that are particularly linked with masculinity often I, I was a wrestler for um you know over seven years and i loved it i had great coaches um and i, I would say that's a, a key part too with with a documentary like this i would say they interviewed a lot of different people and for me i appreciated um oh man i i didn't i don't know the specific person's name again but well, I'll just say, I'll put it this way, instead of trying to quote someone and get it wrong, I'll just say what I'm thinking. Um, I think a huge part of this conversation when thinking about masculinity, sometimes as, you know, our generation or just younger generations are willing to kind of question how things are going, what, you know, what's been the normal in the past, often kind of unspoken normal things. Um, it's important for me, at least, to say, I don't think the solution is you know, oh, men and women, there's, you know, you're the exact same. There's nothing unique about a man or woman. But I, I do think it's really, really important to celebrate um, men and women who respect other others, like men who respect women, women who respect men, to, to be so grateful for their examples. Um, because, you know, regardless if if we define masculinity as this kind of um, extreme, I'm not sure exactly the right word, but this kind of like expression of power or otherwise in an unhealthy way, the I think this is, you know, I'm really getting to my own opinion. The solution is not only to deconstruct those unhealthy patterns to kind of confront those, but also to look for examples of people who are walking well, who are who are faithfully treating people with respect, um, 
at least that's how I think about it. Like seeing people who are older than me, like many, many wrestling coaches, many, many cross country coaches and just people throughout high school and middle school teachers, seeing the way they treated people, that is what gave me the best frame for work. Instead of like a formula of like, this is what it means to be a woman or this is what it means to be a man. It was like, oh, look at these guys doing this. Look at these women treating other people with respect. But I don't know, that's kind of, I'm just kind of freewheeling on that. <laughs> no, I think that's good because, um, again, yeah, always tying back to our resources, right? There's that sense yeah. of like, <laughs> yeah, the emphasis. Yeah, you know, keep us tethered onto something at least. But there's a sense <laughs> of mentorship within various contexts, like we said, like very diverse contexts throughout the documentary that demonstrate how. Either if it's, you know, that interpersonal father to single, oh, like father, single father to son dynamic or um, a fellow inmate to other inmates that are dealing with these same issues of hypermasculinity that actually were big factors and where they in their self-destructive behaviors and other environmental factors came to be. Um, like there's that mentorship aspect of these things that is very interesting and it does like pose a question of like what you were saying before where can we like again affirm these mentorships like these people that are doing that sort of work and how can we like emulate that yeah and before i forget because you know recently i've been sometimes i read the co-listener right away i i forgot to read it today <laughs> right away so uh, thank you, Isaac from Colorado. We got this. He says, The mask you live in provides an excellent introduction to the problems inherent in and resulting from the modern American paradigm of masculinity. Far from being pertinent exclusively to those interested in gender issues, the film should prove helpful for any wishing to better understand our time by elucidating interplay between masculinity and race, media, crime, and culture. Um, so thank you isaac again for your for your insight also uh nice nice use of the word elucidating that that's nice i, I don't use that word very often mm. that's a good one uh, anyway <laughs> any uh did you have any um concluding thoughts nick before we before we wrap up uh, i think we should do more episodes in the future on these topics because it's something that, yeah, I kind of forgot for like a sec during the COVID pandemic, how passionate I am about like this particular documentary and then have written about similar things. Um, but I would definitely encourage our listeners to for sure watch the documentary if you want to cry like I did for like the entire thing. Well, I was trying to take notes, so I did not actually cry. I did that whole repression thing. So don't do that. But... <laughs> If you're looking for something that is, yeah, ironic, right? It's like, oh, yeah, well, I cried the first time I watched it, so it's fine. I can repress it this time. But um, <laughs> I would say these are conversations that need to be had. And particularly, like, this isn't even necessarily just specific to Christians, but I would say, like, within, like, my specific experience of being invalidated was within that church context. And so I think like there is a, there should be a greater emphasis on like ecking out these toxic environments and like making sure that what we're looking for within our understandings of manhood, 
or womanhood is reflective of first of all like christ's example and then also is not creating destructive outcomes for people and so that's just like my little last bit and i would like to i would like to see more of that within our communities yeah well that's good i i think it would be good there's there's so much to discuss so much to think about um surrounding gender sexuality just identity so many things to think about so I'm, plenty I'm of resources there. in the future <laughs> absolutely well excellent uh thank you guys for joining us for this uh episode the cult of masculinity uh coming up next week we'll have an interview and the week after that we have a special guest so we, we got a lot of stuff going on this season um the name of the next episode we bring you the science of forgiveness We'll see you next week.